Well, is that a spiritual thing? Are you allowed to have, you know, we talk about favorite characters in the Bible. Are we allowed to have a least favorite character? You say, what about Satan? Well, I don't like him either. Uh, I don't like him at all. Um, the character we're going to look at today, the scripture says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 32, and of Samson. We've been looking at men and women in the Bible that are in the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. We've been going through the hall of faith. We've been trying to remind ourselves every week that we walk by faith, not by sight, believing God no matter what. You see, Pastor, why don't you like Samson? Samson is a man of enormous potential. I don't know about you. I don't like sad endings. I don't like the good guys to lose. I don't like the nice people to die. I don't like sad endings of stories. I really don't. And maybe you do. And uh, maybe you like the to be continued and maybe the guy will win at the end. I don't like sad endings. And I, I get burdened for individuals. Matter of fact, one of a pastor's biggest burdens is that people in his church would see the potential that they have to be used of God. We're going to see this in just a little bit. Samson had a lot of stuff going for him. And uh, I, I remember looking at the passage there where Samuel was the spiritual leader in Saul's life. And when Saul decided to live for Saul, the Bible says that Samuel mourned all night. One of the biggest burdens of a pastor is to see individuals driving their car, if you would, spiritually off a cliff. There's only so much you can do. You wave the flag. There's only so much you can do to try to help people to not fall off a cliff. Matter of fact, let me say this. We're, if you are 20, this is going to put you outside of the box. If you are 20 years and younger, the Bible talks about 20 and older got killed, 20 and younger. Uh, so we're going to use that as the age for someone being an adult 20. So you are, let's say it this way. If you are under 20, I want you to stand up outside of your box. Under 20, stand up. I want you guys to all stand up. And I want to just talk to you just for a minute, all right? I want to talk to you just for a minute. The story we're about to read is a story about a guy that made the wrong choices. Now, every one of you has enormous potential for God. You've got a clean slate from what we can tell. God wants to use you. And he wants to use you in a great way. Your adversary, the devil, wants to destroy you. And let me tell you, I know you may sometimes not understand your parents and why you're doing what to do with people in the church. You may not understand this preacher here. But I'm going to tell you this, we love you. And all we want is for you to not have to face the pains that we had to face from the wrong decisions that we made growing up. And so I want you to know, serve God. You with me? God has never messed up a life yet, and he won't mess up yours if you'll just let him have your life and let him use you to do great things. Okay? All right, you can be seated before you get mad at me for making you stand too long. <laughs> you see, preacher, you really don't care too much for this story. I really, I'm thankful for what we read at the end, and that's what we're going to concentrate on. Because no matter what, no matter how much you messed up, God is still able to forgive and God is still able to use us. 
And I find comfort in that. But when you sometimes read the story of Samson, you find yourself scratching your head. And this fella here made the hall of faith. He did. But I didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to challenge us all to, to just serve God. Just serve God. Don't let the devil derail you. Don't let him get, out, get you off of being faithful for him. He's going to do everything he can to derail us. And we can't let him. We've got to be faithful until Jesus comes again. But there may be some individuals in the auditorium this morning, maybe some watching, individuals watching via live stream, and you say, boy, I've blown it big time. Man, I've done more wrong than I've done right. Let me tell you, if God could put Samson in the hall of faith, God can honor your faith if you'll make the decision to say, I am going to get my eyes off of me, and I'm going to get my eyes on him, and I'm going to let him have my life once again. Judges chapter 13 is where we find the story. Verse number 1, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. There's a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing, for lo, thou shalt... Conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told him me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink. Neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord, and said, O Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. So both the husband and the wife obviously wanted the Lord to confirm this to them. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman, and she sat in the field, but Manoah her husband was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Art thou the man that spaketh unto this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let the words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. Verse number 24 the Bible says, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Now I want you to fast forward with me, if you would, to Judges chapter number 16. Judges chapter number 16. And I want us to read some of the end of the story. As you see, God set apart Samson. God had a specific job for Samson. His parents said, tell us how to do what we're supposed to do, and we'll do it. And now we find Judges chapter 16, and verse number 21, the Bible says this, But the Philistines, the enemies of God, took him 
and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Dagon, the god that they worshipped, the powerless god. They're giving him glory for delivering Samson into their hand. Verse 24, when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. Samson was a man that had all the potential in the world, including the blessing of God, to do great things for God and to deliver God. And we find him in chapter number 16, grinding in the prison house. We find the enemies of God making fun of Samson and making fun of Samson's God. By the way, when we do wrong, when those of us that profess the name of Christ do wrong, when we go out into the community and we live like the world and we act like the world and we dress like the world and we sound like the world, we give God a bad name. We give the enemies of God cause to, to, to mock the God that we serve. We ought, to, we ought to say, hey, I want to serve God. I'm on the Lord's side, and I don't care. I'm giving everything to God. Samson is at a low point in his life. But I want you to look at verse number, verse number uh, 22. How be it, Judges 16, 22, how be it the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Verse number 26. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. Here's our verse. We're going to key in on this verse. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, Remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled Failure and Faith. Failure in faith. Failure and faith. And I want to give you three reasons why I believe we find Samson in Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. Lord, we ask this morning now that you would do what only you can do. You would open our eyes to truth, speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would put a resolve in our minds and hearts to say, I'm serving God. Lord, I pray for every young person that stood here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Convince them, Lord, that you're more than enough. You're what they need. Lord, I pray that you'd help the rest of us, that we'd be faithful in serving you. Lord, I pray if there are some that find themselves where Samson was, weak and failure. But I pray today we'd exercise faith in you. We'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I believe Samson's in the hall of faith because in spite of his failure, he believed God would hear him. He believed God would hear him. Look at verse number 28. And Samson called unto the Lord 
and said, O Lord God. He called unto the Lord. I believe he probably started calling on the Lord in prison. Sometimes people have to get to rock bottom before they really make the Lord their Lord, before they really make God the master of their life. And we find here Samson calling upon God. It's kind of hard exactly to tell. God knows the heart. Obviously, Samson's desire here seems to be more for vengeance than it does be for the glory of the Lord. But God knows his heart. And I want us to remember as we think concerning Samson, no matter where you are in life, no matter how hard it's been, no matter what challenges that you seem to have faced, no matter how much you might have messed up, God's ear is always open to your cry. A broken and contrite heart, the psalmist said, O God, thou will not despise. Psalm 34 and verse number 15, the Bible says this, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. God is always, his ear is always Open unto our cry. We read in the New Testament of a man that was a thief. This guy got himself into trouble. We don't know his name really, but we know that he was bad. We know he did a lot of stuff wrong. We know that he was characterized as a thief. And one day he got caught. And the next day he got caught. And at some point he got caught and he got tried. And they said to him... You are going to die, and you're going to die on a cross. The day that the thief was put on the cross, he was put on the cross, and across from him was another thief. While on the cross, he looked in the middle, and there was someone else dying between the two of them. The one thief says to the guy in the middle, If you're the son of God, get yourself down and get us all down from here. The other thief, the one that was bad, his life was characterized really by all bad. He looks at him and he says, you are the son of God. God hears his cry on the cross when Jesus looks to him and says, today... Thou shalt be with me in paradise. His ear is always open to our cry. Hanging on the cross, the Lord Jesus didn't look at him and say, You know what? You lived your whole life for yourself. You lived your whole life doing what you want. And now you're going to call on me? No, 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 no. The Lord Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. In the Old Testament, we read the story of a fellow by the name of Jonah. You know his story. God says to Jonah, Jonah, hey, I got a job for you. Man, I want to use you, Jonah. By the way, just like he says to every one of us, hey, I want to use you. And Jonah decides, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to about faith and go the opposite direction. And by the way, sometimes as people of God, we can find ourselves doing the exact same thing. We go the opposite direction of what God wants us to do. And you know the story. He gets on the boat there and there's storms and they throw Jonah overboard. A big fish comes and swallows up Jonah. 
And the Bible tells us in Jonah, chapter number 2, that Jonah cries out to the Lord. We don't read anywhere where God says, look, Jonah, you you just defied me, Jonah. We don't read anywhere in the word of God where God says to Jonah, how dare you, I am God, how dare you go the opposite of me, and now you're calling upon me to deliver you. No, 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 the Bible says that Jonah calls on the Lord, and God hears him. In human relationships, relationships with one another, Sometimes if somebody does something wrong or somebody's mad at us, we can have a tendency to avoid them, can't we? (laughs) We have a tendency to say, well, I'm going to kind of maybe tiptoe through the tulips here a little bit because I'm kind of nervous. Do you know what? God doesn't operate that way. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God is looking for people to bless. God is listening for the cry of people to him. And Samson, having blown it big time, cries out to the Lord. He believes that God will hear him. The devil wants to do everything he can cause us to think God's mad at us God's too busy God isn't going to hear our cry God hears our cry number two in spite of his failure not only did he believe God would hear him but he believed that God would strengthen him the scripture says in verse number 28 and Samson verse number 28 and Samson called unto the Lord and said O Lord God remember me I pray thee and strengthen me. Obviously, Samson's talking concerning physical strength. Samson would have been a whole lot better off had Samson allowed God to give him spiritual strength and help him spiritually. I want to take a detour just a little bit because I want us to understand what is it that got Samson off track. And so I want you to turn, we're just going to do a little study here. I want you to turn to chapter 14 and look at verse number 1. And I want you to see where Samson spiritually needed strength. I believe Samson had four problems in his life. I've shared this with the men of the church. Obviously, Samson's a guy. I think these are the, the issues sometimes that men can struggle with. But I think all of us can struggle with them at times. In chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? They knew it was wrong for him to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines. And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Samson, number one, had an authority problem. He had a mom and dad in his life that were led of God 
to guide him that he might make a difference against the Philistines. And Samson's got an authority problem in his life. He says, I don't care whether she's with the uncircumcised Philistines or not. Just get her for me. Authority issues. It's amazing to me that some of the kids that I pastored as a youth pastor, some of the most rebellious kids join the army. And you're going to tell me what to do. I ain't going to do this. I ain't going to address up. Right, what are you going to do? And you go, I'm going to join the army. And inside is it good. Somebody will tell you what to do. And you'll have to follow some orders. We all have authority in our life. God is the ultimate authority. And I'll tell you this. If you get an attitude toward the authorities in your life, you're going to find yourself. We can be hard on Samson. But you're going to find yourself. We're going to find. If we get an attitude, we're going to find ourselves getting off the path where God wants us to be. I don't have time to belabor it. Let me give you a second issue found in the same passage here. Verse number 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would a lion. Uh, and he had nothing in his hand. He told not his father or his mother what he had done. And when he went down and talked with a woman, and she pleased Samson well, and after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating, and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat, but he told them not that he had taken honey out of the carcass of the lion. He was not to eat uh, that which was uh, uh, from dead animals, part of his Nazarite vow. Samson number two, and you can see this throughout other passages here, he had an obedience problem. Not only even an authority problem, he had an obedience problem. He didn't take serious the commands of God in God's word. And I tell you this, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. When God says it, it's going to happen. Be sure, be sure, be sure your sin will find you out. And sometimes we take the commands of the word of God so lightly. We take pick and choose what we want. We think we can walk in disobedience and somehow God's going to open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing and he's not going to. God doesn't bless disobedience. And sometimes we willfully listen to stuff, watch, do stuff that we know is against what God wants. Chapter 16, verse 14, um, the latter part of verse 3, she pleaseth me well, 14, go on to chapter 16, uh, verse number 1, when Samson went to Gezi and saw a harlot and went into her, uh, Samson had a, a lust or a pleasure problem. Verse 4, he didn't love a woman in the valley of Sorek named Delilah, he lusted after her. Um, living for pleasure. We, we, we live in a society where if it feels good, do it. Don't worry about it. Whether it's right or wrong or not. We, we live in a pleasure-driven society. And uh, uh, boy, we, we decide that that's what we're going to live for, uh, our own pleasure. We're going to get ourselves right off track and get ourselves right out of the will of God. And then number four, quickly, uh, verse 15. He had a pride problem. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. He had a pride problem, but it came to pass when after a while in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid and said, I'll go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And the father said, I've early thought that thou hast utterly hated her, therefore I gave her to thy companion. Uh, is not her younger sister fairer than she take her? 
And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the, uh, uh, both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. And I'm not going to take time to read any more of it, but the bottom line is you ain't going to treat me like this. Now, by the way, God uses this. Obviously, the Philistines are the enemies of God, and God uses this. But Samson, you see it throughout. Samson's got a pride problem. Samson thinks, hey, he's better than he is. As a matter of fact, when Delilah cuts his hair, he goes out in his strength thinking that he's got this. And he realizes he doesn't have any strength. In chapter 16, I take a few minutes just to talk about really Samson's really need was spiritually. And by the way, God is able to strengthen us where we need it most, and that's spiritually. But Samson cries out to the Lord, and he says to the Lord, would you strengthen me again? He cried out believing that God could strengthen him. By the way, be not deceived, God is not mine. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He believed in spite of his failure, God would strengthen him where he needed strength most was spiritually. For sake of time, let's just move to our third point. Number three, I want us to see this. In spite of his failure, he believed God would use him. God would use him. By the way, we, we going back to the second point, we often limit God because we think we can't. God wants to use you to see people saved. He said, well, I can't. Quit making excuses. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And we've got to quit limiting God. We've got to come to God and believe that God can strengthen us in the areas where we're weak and don't limit God. Well, that's for those people. That's for the extroverts. I'm an introvert. Quit making excuses and say, God, you strengthen me where I'm weak. And thirdly, God, you use me. He says this in verse number 28, I pray thee only this once, that I may be avenged, what once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. This one more time, Lord. Lord, I believe that you could use me again if you wanted to. You could use me again. And you know the story. Apparently, Samson had been somewhat familiar with this place where they were in the temple here. And he says to the, to the lion, get me between the supporting posts. He knew you know, about where they were. Use me just this one time. And the Bible says, uh, verse 30, And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And then they buried him. Killed more in his death. I'm convinced that the devil wants to get us to a point where we feel like God cannot use us anymore. Failed too much. Did too much wrong. I blew it too many times. Wednesday night we looked at Peter. He kind of blew it. He blew it bad. I don't know the Lord. I'm not. This is my opportunity to stand for God. Not me. 
He influenced the others. And yet, you look at the book of Acts, God used Peter in a great way. Because Peter didn't quit on God. We don't need Christians to quit on God right now. And I'm going to tell you this, if we could see behind the scenes and we could see the principalities and powers and we could see the forces of hell at work, not just in the government, but right here in Victory Baptist Church. The devil's going to do everything he can to keep you from church, to get you out of church, to keep you from winning people to Christ, to get you not serving God, to get you to believe that I'm not able to be used again. If anybody was not able to be used again, Samson was not able to be used again because Samson blew it and all the potential that he had. But God said in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please me. And here are some individuals whose faith pleased me and of Samson. What an encouragement. We've got to get on the front lines for the Lord. By the way, we referenced... Jonah, God heard Jonah's cry. And God gave Jonah a second chance. And Jonah showed up at Nineveh. And God used Jonah as his agent of revival in Nineveh. He used him. John Mark, Paul said, he's not traveling with me, man. We don't know how he failed, but he failed in some way. But you know, toward the end of his life, he said, hey, bring Mark, for he's profitable to me for ministry. Hey, we cannot quit. We cannot allow the devil to think things, to allow the devil to get things in our mind, to think things that aren't what God wants. Let me read you a story and we'll be finished. Dr. C.I. Schofield is the author of the well-known Schofield Bible. He was born in the state of Michigan in 1843. His mother died when he was an infant, but his father brought him up in the fear of the Lord, whom he loved. While pursuing his studies, the Civil War broke out, and at age 17, young Schofield enlisted in the Confederate Army, was engaged in several of the great battles of the war, was decorated with the Cross of Honor for Bravery, and when the war was over, returned to civil life in the city of St. Louis continued the study of law, and in due time was appointed by President Grant as attorney for Kansas. The office necessitated frequent visits to Washington, and there, in wrong company, he learned to drink. For 14 years, the young lawyer lived a life of worldly pleasure, forgetting God, yet far from being happy. His father and mother had been true Christians and been brought up religiously, But like many a youth, the restraints of home being withdrawn, he plunged into the world and seemed to be utterly indifferent to eternal things. It was while engaged in his legal profession in St. Louis that he formed acquaintance with a young man named Tom McPeters, a decided, devout Christian who was not ashamed to own his Lord or to commend him and his gospel to others. One day he called on Schofield in his office, and as he was about to leave, With doorknob in hand, he suddenly turned around to where Schofield stood, faced him directly, and said, For a long time, I've been wanting to ask you a question. I've been afraid to ask, but I'm going to ask you now. I never thought of you as afraid, said Schofield, so what's your question? I want to ask why you are not a Christian. 
There was a pause of silence, and that question had come so unexpectedly and was so uncommon among the men of his class that for a moment he was staggered by it. But it was not resented. It was doubtless the leading of the Spirit of God that the earnest soul would asked it. It was the voice of God in a word in due season. The lawyer Schofield thoughtfully answered, Does not the Bible say something about drunkards having no place in heaven? I'm a hard drinker. The soul warned me, Peter's continuing, you've, you've not answered my question. I said, why are you not a Christian? Oh, I've been always been a nominal Episcopalian, you know, he said. I, recall, uh, have, I don't recall ever being shown how to be a Christian. I do not know, he answered. McPherson said he had his answer. Drawing the New Testament from his pocket, taking a chair in the lawyer's office, he sat down and there read passage after passage from the word of God, showing God's way of salvation simply and clearly. Then he asked Schofield the question, will you accept Christ as your Savior? And we'll make a long story short. There's more that could be read here. He said, I will. C.I. Schofield grew up in a home of Christians, never trusted Christ as Savior. I'm a drunkard. I'm too bad to be saved. God heard his cry. And not only did God hear his cry, but he took him from being a lawyer to being used of God with the C.I. Schofield or the Schofield reference Bible that maybe some of you have. Samson, in the hall of faith. We need to get past excuses. Say, God... I'm going to believe you no matter what. Lord, we love you.